Let's bow our heads. Would you give God permission to speak to your heart this evening? Just open up your heart and give God permission to speak to you. Now, thank the Lord for speaking to you and to others. Oh, our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful tonight we can gather in the name of your Son, in the nature of your Son, with the Spirit of your Son, and the Word of your Son. So, Word of God, speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Thank you for what you're going to say to our hearts tonight. (coughs) We anticipate tremendous blessing because we ask in faith in Christ's name. All God's people say it. Every environment you enter requires a protocol. Every environment you enter will require a protocol. There's a protocol required for meeting the Queen of England. There's certain things you have to do and certain things you cannot do. It's a protocol. Uh, uh, Military people employ a protocol in saluting their commanding officers. It's required. It's a protocol. Uh, The way you would greet people at Walmart would be different than the way you would greet royalty. There's a protocol. Now, dignity is required when talking to dignitaries. So if there's a protocol for addressing human beings, we shouldn't be surprised to find out that there are protocols required by God on the way human beings are to approach him. That's why we're calling this approaching God's throne, biblical protocols for prayer. Now, you don't enter the presence of God lightly, flippantly. You must come with respect and with honor. And I want to give you some of these protocols this evening. Now, a protocol is a requirement. It's a procedure. It's a propriety. It's a certain way, a modus operandi. It's a certain way to address people. And every environment requires a protocol. So what are the protocols for prayer? How are human beings to address God and come before the throne of God? Well, turn in your Bible to Psalm 100 because here in Psalm 100, we have three Bible protocols. Psalm 100, a very familiar psalm. Most of you could probably uh, say it by heart. So Psalm 100, find that in your Bible tonight. And let's read out loud together, please, Psalm 100. Only five verses. Let's read together out loud, please. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, for his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Biblical protocols, biblical protocols. Flip me through to the first one, fellas, if you would, please. Notice what I'm calling the gratitude protocol. The gratitude protocol found right here in Psalm 100. Now read the verse out loud with me from the screen. Enter into his gates with? It says enter into his gates with? It's the gratitude protocol. Now, Somebody said, I have been given so much, I don't have time to ponder what I've been denied. It's the gratitude protocol. And your initial approach toward heaven must always be with thankfulness. Now, the Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So the gates, are that's the threshold to the throne of God. That's the doorway into the presence of the Lord. And we're to approach the Lord with thanksgiving. Somebody said, you can take things for granted, 
or you can take things with gratitude, but you can't take them both ways. And the Bible tells us that when we approach God, we're not to come moaning and groaning all the time. We are to come entering into his gates with thanksgiving. Psalm 116, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now, God gives and God forgives. God gives and God forgives. And when God gives you something, you should thank him. When God forgives you for something, you should thank him. And if you ever find yourself discouraged, what you need to do is to consider your present position in light of your former condition. If you would only consider your present position in Christ uh, in light of your former, former condition, I'm telling you, you'll enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Now, not only do you thank God for forgiving you the sins that you have committed and confessed, you ought to thank God heartily for the sins that you didn't commit. You might have done bad, but you could have done a whole lot worse. And however bad you have done is is insignificant to to the horrible thing you could have done. How many are thankful for the restraining grace and the restraining hand of God in your life? Thanksgiving is always in season. I mean, it's coming up here on the calendar, but it's always in season. And I want to tell you, sometimes in life, you come to hard spots you get overwhelmed, you get baffled, you get overrun, you're just, uh, you're just overwhelmed with things. And I, How many have ever been in a position in your Christian experience when you didn't even know how to pray and you couldn't even pray, you were so overwhelmed? Can anybody relate to this? I'm going to give you a little tip on how to handle it. Now, I live out in the country. I'll tell you there are advantages to living in the country. You can get away with stuff in the country that you couldn't get away with in the city. I'm just telling you that there's advantages to living out in the country. Now, my house is out in the country. We have an office. Christ Life Ministries has an office about 600 feet uh, down the uh, gravel road. And, And when I come to those points in life when I don't know what to say, I don't know how to pray, I don't know what to do, I get out in that road, just get out in the open. I'm out in the country now. And here's what I do. I lift up my hands and I just begin to walk. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Now you try that for about five or 10 minutes and that'll pull a different, a different perspective on your situation. Come into his gates with thanksgiving. It's the gratitude protocol. And the Bible tells us to approach the Lord this way. Somebody said that gratitude makes even a temporal blessing a taste of heaven. And I'm telling you, we've got so many blessings. We're overcome. We're overtaken. We're just overwhelmed with blessings. Now, you know, America's in quarantine. As Christians, we we ought to go into a Thanksgiving quarantine on occasion. For about three days, don't ask God for anything. Just thank God for everything. You say, well, what if I need something? Well, thank him in advance because thanking God is the first step of faith. Neil Strait said, he who forgets the language of gratitude can never be on speaking terms with happiness. Oh, friend, it's the gratitude protocol. Enter into his gates with, now we're not gonna talk about prayer tonight. We're gonna practice prayer tonight. I'm convinced we have got to start uh, implementing what we're instructing about. So we're going to practice the gratitude protocol. You say, what do you mean? 
we're going to have about 90 seconds of thanksgiving only. We're not going to ask God for anything. We're just going to thank him for everything we can think of. Stand to your feet if you would. I get with one person and pray. One pray for about 45 seconds. The other one pray another 45 seconds giving God thanks. Stand to your feet. Open your mouth. Get with somebody and let's practice the gratitude protocol. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for every gift and grace that has come from you. Father, we're thankful we can be here tonight. God, thank you for this instruction and this biblical protocol of gratitude. We give you praise and thanksgiving in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Now, there's a second protocol we want to talk about tonight, what I'm calling the cleansing protocol. The cleansing protocol. Now, notice what the Word of God says in Psalm 24. Read this out loud with me, please. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Hey, who in the world can ascend the hill of God? Who can stand in the holy place of God? Well, he that has clean hands and a pure heart. This clean hands has to do with our actions and with our deeds, our works. A pure heart has to do with our motives and our attitudes and our disposition. And the Bible says that those that come to the Lord have to have clean hands. That means spotless, guiltless. The Bible says in 2 Peter, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. A.W. Tozer said when God declares a man righteous, he instantly sets about to make him righteous. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He, this guy, has clean hands and has a pure heart. Now, the Bible doesn't say cleaner. It says clean. The Bible doesn't say better. It says clean. It doesn't say improved. It says clean. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We took on a remodeling project. We all make mistakes. And uh, the guy that uh, was doing my plumbing didn't put the base under the... uh, uh, jacuzzi tub. So I call a friend in and he said, well, get under there and put the great stuff. How many know that uh, insulation in a can? It is called great stuff. And so he said, just get in there. And, and so I rigged up a, 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 a little hose and on a stick and I was down there, you know, in the access hole and I was trying to put it in, but I made a mistake. I didn't put latex gloves on. So the great stuff 
It may be great insulation, but it's not great stuff when it comes to the human skin. So I got this great stuff all over me. And uh, I thought, well, I'll just go wash it off. So uh, water didn't work. Soap didn't work. Alcohol didn't work. Goof off didn't work. So I read the uh, can and it said acetone will work. I don't even know what acetone is. So here I am. Here I am peeling and picking and, you know, scraping and peeling and picking, trying to get this stuff on my hands. So I, I had dirty hands. And I want to tell you something, friend. If you're going to come into the presence of God, you need clean hands and you need a pure heart. He bore our sin that we might have his righteousness. He took our guilt that we might have his grace. He took our shame that we might have his smile. He took our punishment that we might have his peace. He took our death that we might have his life. And he took our penalty that we might have his pardon. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all unrighteousness. That'd be a good place for a hallelujah or praise the Lord right there. Samuel Bringle said, righteousness is conformity to the divine law. Righteousness is conformity to the divine law, but holiness is conformity to the divine nature. And the blood of Jesus is so powerful, it not only raised the Son of God from the dead, but it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You say, well, how do you, how do you get clean? How do you get clean hands and a pure heart? Well, you get clean by coming clean. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess simply means to agree with God, to say the same thing about your sin that God says about your sin. God, I agree, that was wrong. Those words were wrong. That reaction was wrong. Uh, that attitude was wrong. It's just agreeing with God. Now, let me give you a little tip here tonight, dear one. Never confess the same sin more than one time. Because if you confess the same sin more than once, you didn't believe that God gave you the, forgave you the first time, even though he said if you would confess, he would forgive you. And we have to get, get away from this uh, Romish practice I'm trying to earn favor with God by uh, confessing the same thing multiple times to prove that we're sorry and all this kind of stuff. No, uh, if we confess, admit, agree with God about our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, confess it one time and immediately launch into the gratitude protocol regardless of your emotions. That's a real good point to write down right there. Just go ahead and say, thank you for forgiving me, Lord. Whether you feel forgiven or not, quit it, never mind how you feel. What's that got to do with it? Uh, just go ahead and thank God uh, by faith and believe his word. You say, well, how does a person get clean? Well, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, he that covers his sins, he that conceals his sins, he that hides his sins, he's not gonna prosper. But whosoever confesses and forsakes will have mercy. I'll tell you how to get a quick recovery when you've messed up. Uh, admit it, quit it, and forget it. He that confesses, admit it, and, and forsakes, quit it, shall have mercy, forget it. Say, those, say that little uh, couplet out loud. Admit it, quit it, and forget it. Say it one more time. Admit it, quit it, and forget it. And brother, he that covers his sins, he's not going anywhere, but... The guy that confesses, admits, and forsakes, quits, shall have mercy from God. And then you need to launch into the gratitude protocol, Johnny on the spot. Now I wonder tonight, is any cloud over your soul, any cloud over your spirit, any unchrist life, 
action, thought, or deed that you've not uh, cleared up, now would be the time to do that. So let's practice the cleansing protocol. The cleansing protocol. If we're going to come to God, he requires clean hands, a pure heart, which can be had through the precious blood of Jesus. Acknowledge any unconfessed sin right now and then thank God for forgiving you. Admit it, quit it, then forget it. Bow your heart. Let's practice the cleansing protocol together right now. Just be honest. Be real. Be open. Our Heavenly Father, we want you to be real to us and we know that we have to be real with you. So we're thankful that the blood's got us covered. And Lord, when we admit it, when we confess our sins, you forgive us. Father, hallelujah for the cleansing protocol. We appreciate the blood of your son that takes away all unrighteousness. All God's people say, praise the Lord. All God's people say, praise the Lord. I know that's not Baptist terminology, but it's Bible terminology, amen? <laughs> now look at this one, what I'm calling the praise protocol, the praise protocol. Now, Psalm 100, verse 4, read this out loud. Enter into his courts with, say it again, enter into his courts with, it's the praise protocol. That means laud and honor, to pay tribute, to glorify, to acclaim. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. That's what the Bible says. If a word of discouragement opens the door for the enemy, then a word of praise closes it and locks it. When Paul and Silas had been arrested and imprisoned and put into the inner part of the prison, they had been beaten severely. And uh, here they were in, in, in stocks and they were in prison. You know what they did? They did not call the Hebrew Law Association. They did not call the Anti-Defamation League. They, they didn't. They didn't call the prayer chain. There, there wasn't any prayer chain, and there wasn't a phone either. So what did they do at the midnight hour? The Bible says when they had been abused and beaten after casting out a demon out of this uh, fortune-telling girl, they prayed and sang praises to God. And I'm telling you, there's power in praise, and it's the praise protocol. We're to come into his courts with praise. John Baptist was the most unusual human being. Jesus said he was the greatest born among women. That's a pretty good compliment coming from the Son of God. And the Bible tells us that he was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Now, that's, that doesn't say that about anybody else, but it says it about him. And do you remember that this voice of one crying in the wilderness, John Baptist, the man of steel, of the greatest born among women who said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Do you recall how that John the Baptist, when he was in Elizabeth's womb, and then Jesus comes in Mary's womb, when, when, when Mary came into the presence of Elizabeth and the incarnate Christ came into the presence, the proximity of John the Baptist in his mother's womb, you know what John did? Filled with the Holy Spirit. 
He leapt. He leapt in his mother's womb. Now that means he got a little, he got a little excited in there about the presence of God. And I just want to say this, the presence of God calls for a little animation every now and then. <laughs> calls for a little excitement, a little exuberance. And, and you know, uh, when revival comes to a heart, a home, or a church, people get lost in wonder and they get lost in praise. And you know what praise is? It's faith sent to music. Praise is simply faith sent to music. That's why I love to go to the prayer events because um, to put it in Southern lingo, uh, the cow gets out of the barn just about every year. Now that's another way of saying uh, people get forgiven and get happy in Jesus. And I want to say something to you tonight. If your face looks like a reprint of the book of Lamentations, you might want to get a facelift this evening. And I'm telling you that uh, uh, this praise protocol will help you. You can't hold back in such an atmosphere. Even Bob Jones graduates get carried away when they get in the presence of God. I'm just telling you, brother, it's, 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 it's exciting. You just, you, just can't, you just can't hold back. Now, if you never get so full you can't stand it, you need to get full of the right thing. You know these football teams that I used to watch? Uh, you know, it might be 22 degrees below zero. And, uh, and here the male fans will take their shirts off, paint their bodies, dye their hair, scream like maniacs. And, and, and it's 80,000 of it, and nobody thinks it's out of order. Nobody thinks it's unusual. <laughs> they just think it's normal. Now, if they can get excited about that kind of uh, silliness, Surely the redeemed of the Lord have every right to praise God. It says in Hebrews, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. A sacrifice of praise, that's a thank offering. Let's do it continually, constantly. Enter into his courts with praise. C.S. Lewis said praise is boasting about what you enjoy. You ever notice that fishermen love to talk about fishing? Golfers, which... I kind of think there's some sort of mental issue with those guys, but they love to talk about, they love to talk about golfing. Pet owners love to talk about uh, pets. Have you noticed this? I was in uh, uh, Vermont one time, and uh, uh, the lady served us cereal for breakfast, and one of the children finished up, and um, she took the bowl, half full, put it on the floor, and their dog that had a tongue as long as my arm came and, and, and began to uh, uh, slosh around his tongue in that bowl, that cereal. I wondered how the, why the bowls were so clean. And, and, and somehow I, I, I lost my appetite for cereal for the rest of that week right there. But pet owners love to talk about pets, don't they, brother? I mean, you probably love to talk about pets. My daughter-in-law wants to be a, a veterinary helper. She loves pets. Well, we, we talk about what we love. And, and when we love God, we love to talk about him. Now, instead of counting your bruises, try counting your blessings. And, and quit a moaning over what you've lost. Thank God for whatever you've got left. I know we're in pain. <laughs> I know we're in pain tonight, but uh, I know our joints are not working so hot. I, I know we got all kinds of difficulties going on, but instead of concentrating on what you've lost, man, just thank God for whatever you've got left. Did you know that when men cease to praise God adequately, Adequately, they begin to praise one another excessively. I go to all kinds of places to speak. And uh, if you go to an educational uh, institution, they always have to in introduce the speaker as a doctor. And how many times have I gone into these places and they get up there and string accolades 
a mile long about accomplishments. I don't know where they read something on the internet, made it up. They've never met me in their life. And they say, we're, we're so privileged to have Dr. Vaughn. Uh, Dr. Vaughn has done this and that, and he's preached in 48 states and yada, yada, yada. And, and I'm sitting out there, Dr. Vaughn, Dr. Vaughn. I'm not even a nurse's assistant. And here they are. Uh, t- telling what I, what a doctor, doctor, and if my wife is with me, I'll say, I'll say to her, honey, listen up, listen to what this man is saying. Do you know how fortunate you are to have a guy like me? Just listen to what this man is saying right there. Just li- li- listen to this guy, write this down. That guy, he's up there, but you know something, uh, undue praise of men evidences a deficient praise of God. We need to quit heaping praise on people and give all our praise and and, and adoration to the Lamb of God in the midst of the throne. Revelation chapter 4, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him, listen to him, that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. They can hardly get on their seats but what they have to fall on their faces and throw these crowns. And they say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for Thou hast created all things and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You know what's going on in heaven? It's praise time in heaven, brother. I'm just telling you. I don't know what your theology is. Read the book of Revelation. Find out what they're doing. And, and, and I want to tell you something. You need to learn praise, on, praise God on earth so heaven won't be such a shock. There's a lot of people in fundamental churches are going to be scared. To, I don't guess you can have a heart attack in heaven, but if you could, they would because they're so unaccustomed uh, to, to verbal and vocal and, and vibrant praise. But that's what's going on. I'm not making this up. And if praise is going to be our chief employment in heaven, we ought to make it our noblest work on earth. Every worship service on earth is practice for heaven. And you know, if you find it difficult to praise God for what's going on, you can praise him for what is yet to be. So brother, a better day is coming. I'm telling you, this is not the final act. This is just the preparation stage here. The main show is yet to come. And so you praise God when you feel like it or you praise God until you feel like it. And sometimes when you don't feel like it, just go through the thank you, Jesus thing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And when you're discouraged and depressed and the lights are out and everything's going, just enter into his courts with praise. I mean, come, enter, come into his gates with thanksgiving. It's the praise protocol. How many of you think we ought to practice the praise protocol? Some of these protocols are fun, and this is a fun protocol right here. So here's what we're going to do. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet if you would. It says in the book of Acts that they lifted up their voices to God, plural. They lifted up their voices to God. <laughs> Listen to this. And, and, and with one accord, they praise the Lord. So I know that some of y'all are not used to this. If you're above the Mason-Dixon line, you've probably never seen anything quite like this. But um, if they did it in the book of Acts, we can do it. We can do it down here in Florida, can't we? So here's what I want you to do. 60 seconds of unbridled praise. No asking, just praising God for who he is and what he does. Close your, close your eyes, bow your head, and pray out loud, all of us together, the praise protocol. Would you praise the Lord out loud right now for 60 seconds? Father, praise you for your holiness. Praise you for your mercy. Praise you for your patience, oh God, your kindness, your gentleness, Lord. Thank you for your superintendence, God, for your instruction, for your blessing. Praise your name.
Our Father, we praise you from whom all blessings flow. We praise you because you're worthy. We praise you because you're our God. We praise you because you're holy and you're kind and gentle and forgiving and full of mercy. Uh, Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. We give you praise. And Father, thank you for instructing us with this praise protocol that we're to come into your courts with praise. All God's people shout amen as you're seated. You can be seated. Now notice this next one, what I'm calling the singing protocol. The singing protocol. You know, there's a reason why church services all begin with singing. Because it says in Psalm 100, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with hmm, singing. That means to shout for joy. It's talking about the voice of triumph. It's talking about celebration and rejoicing. Now, Psalm 95, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto the Lord with psalms, which are songs. Now, that word joyful noise, you know what it means? It means to split the ears. You Hebrew people, go home and look it up. Joyful noise, what does it mean? Split the ears. How many know revived people sing better than backslidden people? (laughs) And that's why when our hearts are cleansed, I'm telling you, you just can't really hold back in such an atmosphere with your praise. And now, uh, sound the alarm of triumph, and every revival is characterized by heartfelt singing because praise is proper response to greatness. Praise is just proper response to greatness. Colossians, we heard this the other night, says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Singing from your heart to of the Lord. Now, I had the opportunity to be in three revival atmospheres within a two-week period. Now, that is a foretaste of glory divine. That is a, that is a touch of heaven on earth. How many of you think it's okay to have some days of heaven on earth? It'd be good, wouldn't it? Every now and then, just to... I think every Sunday ought to be like that. That's what I think. But, but uh, I had the opportunity to be in three revival atmospheres. Burlington, North Carolina, about five, six, seven years, I can't remember, years ago, they, put, they started a meeting in a local church that uh, turned into a meeting where they had up over 6,000 people meeting under a tent. It went for 12 weeks. I had the opportunity to be in that uh, tent meeting. I was hesitant to... Uh, uh, I heard, kept on hearing about it, but I thought, that's just a bunch of emotionalism. Here, here my wicked prejudice. Here I am, uh, just con- con- condemning something I didn't know anything about. I said, that's a bunch of flagpole climbing, camp meeting, nonsense. That's what I was thinking. Well, I was wrong. So I got on Facebook Live. I, I was sick at the time. I got on Facebook Live, and I'd watch these services. I mean, the evangelist's wife got up to sing and 25 minutes later, she was still singing. There wasn't any manipulation. There wasn't anything out of order. But people would come under conviction of sin, go forward, get on their knees, get saved. It was absolutely amazing. I'd sit out there and I'd just weep watching this, you know. But praise God, this is wonderful. So I went down there one night. I got in there under the tent. <laughs> and uh, there was two 15-year-old boys in front of me. T-shirts, hats on backwards. And when they got to singing, they stood up and lifted their hands. Now, when I go to churches, very rarely does anybody uh, lift up hands, but these guys just couldn't help it. And you know something? These were simple people who were enjoying a visitation of the presence of God 
And I'm telling you, it was absolutely, utterly refreshing, tremendous. I went from there to the student prayer advance. Tom Farrell was preaching. Now, uh, the young people got so clean and so full, they sang at the top of their lungs from the bottom of their hearts. This doesn't happen everywhere I go, but it was happening there. And boy, I was just enjoying this. I went from there to uh, an inner city church that had 122 nationalities, people from all over the place. And uh, you talk about singing. I'll just tell you, not only can white men not jump, they can't sing neither. I'm just telling you, brother. I'm just, you talk about singing. Good night. And, and, and it was overwhelming. I mean, a revival atmosphere. Now listen to this. Uh, three different preaching styles. Three different music styles. Three different cultures and races of people, but same Holy Spirit in all three places. And my heart resonates, brother, with the friends of Christ. I don't care what they look like. I'm just telling you. My heart resonates when you get in this kind of an atmosphere. The singing protocol, and that's why the prayer advance, I'm just telling you on Friday night when the guys have gotten their hearts cleaned up, I'm just, you, you, just, you just can't hardly stand it. I'm just, it's a, it's a little touch of heaven on earth. It's the singing protocol. Now, you know, God has given us three things to refresh the soul, nature, Friendship and music. Why do people go to the beach? They find it refreshing. Why do they come to the mountains? Well, it's refreshing. Why do they go to Canadian Rockies? Well, it's, uh, it's, uh, it refreshes the soul. Nature, friendship, and music. How many know that music is a powerful medium? And you know you got to learn to come into his presence with singing. I can't sing a lick. My voice doesn't work half the time. But... Uh, I, by the way, you know why God allowed YouTube to come into existence? So people who can't sing can get the music on their telephone. And every morning, just about every morning, I'll crank up. I know where to go to find the stuff that floats my boat. How many of you know that uh, different types of people enjoy different styles of music? How many understand that? Asian people like uh, Jewish people, like uh, Arab people like... Uh, uh, people from Africa like, uh, people from the South like, people from the North like a different kind of music. Do you, is everybody good with this right here so far? I know we're on shaky ground, but I'm going to help you out if you'll let me help you tonight. <laughs> you know, some people like that operatic stuff. Yo, 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 yo. I mean, it's just a yodeling. Every time they sing, they're just yodeling. And we're like, what is this, man? And uh, you don't talk like that. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> but... And if, if operatic music floats your boat, praise God, to pull it out. And if you can play the organ or the piano or the guitar or whatever, if you can make your own music, go ahead. If not, learn to locate the music that liberates your heart, that sets up God big before your spirit. <laughs> you, you know, you know I, I come from Virginia, and they, they like bluegrass. Some of, them, some of them like bluegrass. I mean, you know, it takes a... Uh, one bluegrass song will last a long time for a lot of people. How many understand that? But some people like that. And, and some people like to fiddle, you know, violins. And by the way, you know the difference between a violin and a fiddle? A violin has strings, but a fiddle has strings. So, hey, find out those songs that elevate your estimate of God that births praise in your heart. And if you can't sing it yourself, crank it up. <laughs> Have a little praise service. It's the singing protocol. 
So let's practice the singing protocol. This is a fun protocol. So let's stand, stand to your feet tonight. We're going to sing that song, Amazing Grace, from memory. And then we're going to sing the second stanza with two words, same tune, praise God. Does anybody know how that goes? Let's sing it. Amazing From your heart to God's. Sing it. <laughs> yes, praise the Lord. Sing it. Praise God. Let's sing it. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise. You can be happy, it's okay. Praise the Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Say hallelujah, somebody. You can be seated. All right, the singing protocol. This will help you. I mean, this will help you. It helps me immensely. If you go through a depressive season, locate those songs that births a big a big view of God in your heart and ministers grace and it it will help you. It's the singing protocol. But let me give you one more, the faith protocol, what I'm calling the faith protocol. Now it says in Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it's not difficult, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe, must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. The person that's going to come to God, approach God, the protocol is you got to have faith. you got to believe. Now, F.B. Meyer said, faith makes giants look like grasshoppers. Faith makes giants look like grasshoppers, but unbelief makes grasshoppers look like giants. Unbelief always considers it too soon or too late for God to work. Unbelief always considers it too soon or too late for God to work, but faith expects God to work now. Learn to pray with exclamation points instead of question marks. Quit praying your prayers of doubt. Start praying prayers of faith because without faith, you can't please God. So if you're not praying in faith, you're not praying anyhow. And if you're not coming to church expecting something, you're in sin anyhow. I mean, we've got to come with faith, man. I'm just telling you, prayer can turn a promise into a prophecy. I said prayer can turn a promise into a prophecy. Now, man's extremity is God's opportunity. And the sphere in which God does his greatest works is the sphere in which no one but God can work. Did you know that God loves with a passion the man who has a heart for the impossible? You know, we're in a culture of unbelief. Religion has fallen on hard times. Well, these are the last days, brother. Ain't much gonna happen. Don't be disappointed. From here on out, it's gonna get rough and uh, we shouldn't expect a whole lot. Who says you shouldn't expect a whole lot? The devil and your professors, that's who told you not to expect a whole lot. I look at the word of God. I don't see any of that kind of stuff in there. If you want something good to happen, you're gonna have to believe for something good to happen. It's the faith protocol. 
You can't please God with your unbelief and, and moaning around all the time. I, I mean, I mean we got to believe God. I was out there praying tonight, and, uh, man, I was believing God to break out in, in this meeting. I believe God's going to break out in every meeting. And sometimes he comes in a, 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 a tidal wave, of black, and other times he comes in a small stream. So just so he's coming, it's all good, amen? But we long for the outpourings, don't we? Well, according to your faith, so be it unto you. Spurgeon said that believing supplications are forecast of the future. Believing supplications are forecast of the future. You know what? Conservative Christians are afraid they're going to presume on God. Uh, uh, the, professor, uh, the president of a Bible college, <laughs> a, a, a Christian university, said to me, he said, Harold, when you start talking about faith, the professors all get nervous. I'm sitting there wondering, well, they ought to get more nervous about their unbelief than they are about faith. What's wrong with this situation right here? No wonder we have gone into a fatalistic mode to where people say that the will of God's always done. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. When a man runs and shacks up with somebody else's wife, he's not doing the will of God. He's violating the moral will of God. Does anybody agree with that statement right there? I mean, we're blaming God for every sorry thing that happens. And God, I, I, talk, I was talking to a guy one day and he was talking along that line. I said, well, do you think God's responsible for 60 million abortions? And with anger, he said to me, well, God could have stopped it if he wanted to, couldn't he? Now, if your God is the engineer of, of, of reprobation and perdition, if that's your view of God, you fly with it. But I read the word of God and I find out that stuff is opposed to God's character, his nature, his principles, and his will. And our God is a holy, good God. He can't be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. And we need to get over the fatalism that swept over our country. Go ahead and say amen right there. Tired of these martini drinking, cigar uh, puffing, theological hair splitting dudes sitting around telling us all this kind of stuff. Where's the people that's going to believe God to convert your children and your grandchildren? Where's the people that's going to believe God for these young people coming to this school to get filled up with God and go and make it? Where are the people that can believe God anymore? How will we become so calm and so casual and so laid back and we just want to hear some more good teaching and a little more exposition on Ecclesiastes. I'm telling you, a little holy fire wouldn't hurt the lot of us and brother, the faith, the fuse of faith lights the fire in our hearts. Faith, what do you believe in God for tonight, brother? Come on, what are you believing for tonight, sister? Really, are we believing God or are we just kind of here for the ride? Okay, sirrah, sirrah, see what will happen, you know. It's all going to come out. You know, God's will's always done, really. Did you know, did you know I'm as spiritual as I want to be? And if I want to go pull a drunk, I can go pull a drunk, and that ain't the will of God. That's my human flesh and my human will. This is really good, isn't it? <laughs> Faith is the only doorway for God to enter a human soul. You can't relate to God with your physical senses. You don't touch God with your fingers, smell God with your nose, taste God with your tongue, see God with your eyes. No, no, you relate to the physical world with your physical senses, but you relate to God by the sixth sense. It's faith. It's a requirement, isn't it? He that comes to God must believe that God not only is, but he rewards those who diligently seek him. So when you pray for something, go ahead and thank God for it. You say, well, that might be presumption. 
why are we so worried about that? A seminary graduate said to me, he said, Harold, I came out of seminary with more reasons why God doesn't answer prayer than reasons why God does answer prayer. And you call that fundamental if you want to. I call it hogwash. It's hogwash. So we got all of this stuff swirling around our heads and people with crazy haircuts making all kinds of crazy statements. And, and brother, where are the people anymore that believe, that can believe for the power of God in a situation? Oh, it's the faith protocol. Now, we have prayer advances. I told you about the prayer advances. I hope you all are going to come with your pastor. Ladies, come on up. Um, I don't guess pastor will come to the ladies' prayer events, but the rest of y'all ladies can come on up to the ladies' prayer events. We're having a ladies' prayer events, and we encouraged them to pray impossible request, to pray only stuff that was humanly impossible, not probable, not even possible, uh, impossible prayer request because uh, the Bible says that nothing is impossible with God. Well, there was a girl there, her mother uh, needed a kidney transplant. Her mother was in Philadelphia and the doctor said she was too old and they wouldn't do a kidney transplant. So this burdened daughter brought her mother down to Virginia. They found a doctor in Richmond who said he would uh, do the uh, transfer of kidneys if they could come up with a donor. Now, where do you go look for a kidney? Craigslist? So she had an impossible request. And she prayed that God would give her mother a kidney without killing somebody in order to do it. That was her request. So they go home from the prayer dance. Would you believe the two women in the church, not one, two, came up and said, I believe that the Lord wants you to have one of my kidneys if it's a match. Not one, but two. <laughs> and the first one was a match. So they went over to Richmond, swapped them out. They come back to the uh, prayer advance the next year. Here's the daughter behind the podium. Here's the mother down here, the recipient. Her name is Mama Carter. She's my adopted mother. You know, when your earthly mother passes on, you got to take matters in your own hands and you have to go adopt others. So she's my adopted mother. And here was the... Uh, Oh, it was a woman of another race over here who was the donor. Uh, and here they are standing down here. Here's the daughter telling uh, the story of how God had given her mother a lease on life and a new kitty. Amazing. When my wife and I were in uh, Danville, Illinois, the pastor took us out to Biagi's, which is the best Italian restaurant on the planet in Champaign, Illinois. Took us out to Biagi's. We're having dinner, having lunch. Uh, when the pastor, for some reason, uh, began to tell us about his kidney stone episode in detail, which is not the most appetizing uh, topic of conversation with marinara sauce and olive oil. I'm, so he's telling us this whole thing. So uh, we leave the restaurant. My wife and his wife go out to the car. The pastor and I bring it up the rear. And no sooner had we walked through the door, exiting Biagi's, but the pastor doubles over in writhing pain. I managed to get him to the back of the automobile. My wife and his wife were in the back seat chatting it up. And my wife looked back and said, I, th I think your husband is sick. And without looking, his wife responded, he'll be all right. Now, look, ladies, let me tell you something. 
When your husband doesn't feel good, he needs sympathy. <laughs> needs some compassion, amen? Swoon over him a little bit. Pat him on the head. Do something. Kiss him. Do something. He'll be all right. Real. Real help me. So I got him in the car in the passenger seat. He's in terrible pain. We go, I get behind the wheel and we go off to the hospital where the other kidney stone thing was reconciled. So we get over there and the doctor says it's going to be at least 24 hours, more than likely 48 hours before this whole thing clears out. Now we're having a prayer summit. We do prayer summits. Like in churches where we go and we, we talk about prayer and we implement prayer and we talk about the model of prayer. So this was a prayer summit. So we got him checked in at four o'clock, went to church that night. He wasn't there. He's in the hospital. And I said, folks, how many think we ought to pray the prayer of faith that this whole kidney stone thing would get reconciled and pastor could be here at nine o'clock in the morning for church? How many think that'd be a good idea? They said, amen. I said, great. So we prayed the prayer of faith. Would you believe at one o'clock in the morning, he was not only out of the hospital, he was back at home in bed, and at nine o'clock the next morning, he was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and there he was. Uh, uh, nothing is impossible with God. A lady came to our prayer advance one time, and she was uh, childless, and the doctors had told her that she couldn't have any children. That's what they said. I don't know about veterinarians, but doctors say stuff like that all the time. And... Uh, her impossible request was that God would give her a child. Well, the next year she comes to the prayer advance. Guess what? She got that little baby up here. I love babies, man. I like babies. <laughs> I just like them. And she got this little baby up here. Well, the next year she comes back. She not only has a, a larger baby, she got a brand new baby over on this side. She got double, got double man, uh, for her, her, her request. And, and you know what? Nothing is impossible with God. A pastor came to our prayer advance. He uh, was in a building project. They needed money for the heating and air conditioning. On Sunday morning, after the prayer advance, he stood up and out of the clear blue, he said, I believe in God to send the finances in for the heating and air conditioning from outside the church. He said, some of you could write a check, but he said, I don't want you to write a check. He said, I want God to write the check, and I want him to send it in from somebody outside of the church. Just gets up with this kind of a statement. He came back to church that night. Guess what? Had a check in his pocket from somebody outside the church for the total amount of the heating and air conditioning system. Nothing is impossible with God. And my brother and my sister, don't let, you, don't let the hard time strip the faith out of your soul. I'm just telling you, it's the faith protocol. A Richard Elaine said God normally answers us according to our expectations. God usually answers us according to our expectations. So if you have some God-sized needs, what you need is some God-sized answers. So what we need to do is to pray things that are impossible with men, but nothing is impossible with God. Can I encourage you tonight? To, uh, let's implement the faith protocol. Let's ask God for big stuff. I'm not talking about stuff that we do not even know whether it was God or not. I'm talking about asking God for stuff that only God could do. Maybe some impossible stuff. And why don't we just, why don't we get out of the boat tonight? And why don't we believe God uh, to do uh, exceeding abundantly above anything we could ask or think? Is anybody here hungry to see a little exceedingly abundantly above? 
Most of what's going on in our movement is, is explainable in human terms. I like to see something that could only be explained by God himself. <laughs> and our God's not dead, and brother, we need just to believe him and have confidence in him. I, that's the way we relate to God. It's by faith. It's the faith protocol. So let's do it this way tonight. Let's uh, pray some impossible prayer requests. Let's exercise our faith, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask God for something that we can't do, and then we're going to thank God for giving us what we just asked for. I believe, I believe that believing you actually possess what you ask for in prayer is not presumption. I believe the Bible calls it faith. And brother and sister, God is delighted when we bring him large requests. I heard this story. Alexander the Great had conquered the known world. And uh, here he was, the champion of the earth at that time. And then here a, a little... A peon private soldier came up to Alexander the Great and requested that he be given jurisdiction over this certain region in this certain place. And Alexander the Great put a private soldier in charge of this huge region. They said that when Alexander the Great's generals heard about it, they were infuriated and they rebuked him. And they said, what do you think you're doing? Giving the governorship of this region to this peon enlisted man, what do you think you're doing? And they say that Alexander the Great replied and said, I was honored by the largeness of his request. I was honored by the largeness of his request. And I'm telling you, our God is waiting for somebody to believe him. So tonight, what do you need? Huddle up with somebody, men with men, women with women. Just pray uh, and just share your main prayer burden. Do it real quick, real quick, and then pray the prayer of faith. Thank God for it. Just swap and pray for one another's request. Pastor Lytel will come in a few moments and close our service. Stand to your feet, find somebody. Let's pray the prayer of faith tonight. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.